Ephesians has enjoyed a mixed reception in the history of interpretation. Even though it's one of the favorite books of the church, in scholarship it's often debated whether it's actually written by Paul or not. It's included among the disputed or the Deuteropauline epistles. And there really are several reasons for this. First, its style is so grand and doesn't seem to fit Paul's other style. Also, the attribution in Ephesus isn't in the original manuscripts, and this makes it doubtful whether it was indeed written only to Ephesus. But I think that all these things can be reconciled quite easily once we have a place and location for when Paul likely would have written the letter. He writes about one letter every one or two years, and uh, the occasion, I think, best fitting Ephesians is Caesarea Miratima, after Paul delivered his collection and was escorted out of the city to Caesarea Maritima by 470 Roman soldiers. Now what prompted this was that Jews from Asia Minor brought a charge against Paul in the temple saying, look, this is the guy who's speaking against our people, against the law, and against this place, and he's brought a Gentile into the temple. Well, when we look very carefully at Ephesians, we see that these three issues of law, temple, and the, the nation of Israel are key themes that Paul develops in chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. And so the letter seems then to be his response to that charge brought against him. And so he sends this letter to the environs of Asia Minor, Ephesus being the capital there, to address these issues and other issues. Now, in many ways, Ephesians, I, th I think it's his uh, best work. It's his best letter ever written, and it brings together so many different themes. And the, at the core of the letter is Paul's political theology of the church. What God has done in Christ has brought forth a community of believers who live in holiness and sanctification before God and have a mission to accomplish. When we look at the style of Ephesians, it is very grand, and this really matches the style that the uh, Asian uh, Christians would have appreciated. It's, it uh, matches most closely the political honorific inscriptions praising the Caesars, and we have plenty of evidence of that going on in this environment. And so when we look at the book of Ephesians from start to finish, it's full of what I would call political topoi and themes. It starts by describing God's great, gracious benefactions in Christ Jesus, uh, leading to the proclamation of the gospel that includes Jews and Gentiles together into one body. Um, it culminates, chapter 1 culminates with a wonderful vision of Christ being far above all other rule and authority and lordship on, in heaven and on earth. It is a total vision for reality that is being claimed for the church. In chapter 2 then, as we continue on, there's a little narrative that describes the sinful fate of humanity. And this then is met by God's gracious, merciful love, which allows believers to be reconciled with God. And then this leads to the, the, the thesis statement for the whole book found in 2, 8, and 10. So these verses are worth reading aloud. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
upon good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in them. Now these verses encapsulate two major ideas. First, in verses 8 and 9, Christ is God's gift of a sacrifice. And this gift of sacrifice must be met by faith and bestows grace and priestly benefit to believers. Chap the rest of chapter 2 and chapter 3 swarm around these themes of grace, faith, and Christ's gift of sacrifice. Verse 10 then represents uh, a brief synopsis of the second half of the, of the letter, chapters 4 through 6, and it surrounds this particular theme of doing good works, following Christ's example. We're God's workmanship created or rather founded in Christ Jesus. The verb there is a verb of the founding of a colony. And this colony has been founded upon good deeds. These are the deeds that Christ has done. And this is what God has planned from before time to redeem humanity, to send Christ as a political ruler to show us how to live and to walk in good deeds. Now this verb walk can also be translated live. It forms a framework to understand chapters four through six. There are five walking sections. 4.1, walk worthily of the calling. Uh, 4.17, uh, 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 don't walk like the Gentiles walk. 5.1 and 2, walk like in love and uh, walk as imitators of God. 5.7, walk as children as light. And then 5.15 uh, and 16, walk wisely by being filled with the Spirit. So these walking sections describe how we ought to live, particularly looking to Christ as our example, as our political head of the political body of the church. And then the letter comes to a, a, a striking climax in 6.10 through 20, which really encapsulates the whole vision where we are called to put on the full armor of God. Now this armor is Roman armor, and there's a mimicry taking place here, but, but it's also subverting imperial rule. And the kind of warfare that we're waging is not against people, it's actually for people and for the nations. While Rome was conquesting, uh, defeating the nations, the church rather is extending a saving message to them. And so we are to bear this armor, which is really God's armor, it's messianic armor. And the, the letter then ends with Paul's pleading for prayer Will you pray for me as I take this gospel as Christ's ambassador to the world?